and welcome back to the podcast. I don't know how to live podcast. This is Tweester. And Maggie. And today we're going to be talking about Quidditch. Mm-hmm. Quidditch. Yes. Which you actually play. I do. I'm a real life Quidditch player. Yes. Can I start off by saying, uh, wow, what a nerd. Thank you. <laughs> and so Quidditch is uh apparently not just something in the pages of the Harry Potter franchise of books and and then also in the films uh it's a real thing that people actually play yes well our version is actually called muggle quidditch um, because we don't get to have the fun magic part where we get to fly around and have things flying around us um that eliminates the first question then because i think the first thing people think is wait how yeah you can't fly or anything it's like no 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 it's a different version everyone's favorite question is how do you fly and i say well if you run fast enough you feel like you're flying yeah fair enough <laughs> uh so let's get into it how it works um i guess the first thing i want to ask is where do you play it what do you play it on what's the you know the platform for playing quidditch so you're going to be playing it on a field uh, whether that field is already created for you or you're creating that field it can be anywhere. Uh, normally is a grassy field. We've also used AstroTurf before, which is a field that is created through man-made means. Um, but the best thing you can do is find a nice flat surface to be able to play. So what shape or what are the shape or size? You you know, how, how big of a field are we talking here? Are we talking like, you know, really small, like a, you know, softball league field? Are you talking really big, like a football field? Um, it's not as big as a football field. It's actually not even as big as a soccer field. Um, it's a little bit smaller uh, than a soccer field. My favorite part about it is people always imagine the beautiful oval that you see in the Harry Potter movies uh, where they have all the different stands high up in the air uh, shaped like an oval. They got rid of the oval uh, size forever ago for some reason. Uh, they stopped using it and now we are just rectangle shaped just like every other soccer field. Uh, we're just a little bit smaller. It's 72 yards by uh, the 48 yards. Is that like, uh, I'm not, I don't know the exact yardages of, uh, you know, these fields, but is that more like half a soccer field maybe? Or even smaller? It's a little smaller. A little smaller? Okay. Well, so... no, no, no. It's it's bigger than half a soccer field. Oh, it is? Yeah. It's just not as big as a full soccer field. Okay. So bigger than half a soccer field. But definitely way smaller than a whole soccer field. Mm -hmm. Okay, that gives us a roundabout idea of what we're working with here. Yeah. Plenty of room to run. Yes. Okay, still plenty of room to run. Lots of cardio. Lots of cardio. <laughs> um, okay, so now that we know what kind of field we're working with, about the size, and it's also a rectangle. Yeah. Uh, how many players are there on each team? Uh, there's going to be seven players per team, but however, uh, they're not all going to be on the field at the same time. Uh, it we're going to be thinking about, of course, uh, there is a seeker and a snitch. So those don't enter into the game until after the seeker floor is opened, which is a certain time period during the game. They will open the seeker floor. It depends on how long of a game the uh, tournament people have you playing. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's in the summer uh, and it's a smaller league, they might have the seeker floor open early uh, versus in a regular game. The seeker floor opens up at 12 minutes in. It's longer than that. I think it's 18 minutes in. So going back a little bit, um, before the seeker and the snitch come out, the seekers and the snitch, how many people are on the field for each team for most of the game? Most of 
the game, you're going to have six and six. So six people on each team on the field yes. for most of the game. And then later on, so six people on the field on each team Yes. for most of the time. Yes. Then later on, the snitch and the seekers are released. Yes. Okay, so I'm getting an idea of how many people to expect on the field and the field sides and everything. Yeah. Just trying to get a layout here. A team is normally built up of 21 people. That is uh, as big as a roster you can submit to uh, championships. Now, is this so people can sub in and out since yes. there's so much cardio? Yes. Okay. So You that... want subs. The more subs you have, the better it is. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, now, is there, as far as scoring goes, I remember from, you know, the books and the movies mm -hmm. that there are these, you know, big, tall poles with rings on them that yep. you have to throw a ball through. We still have those. You still have those. Yeah. There's three different heights. Uh, the tallest one being, uh, I think it's like six feet tall or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it has to be taller than six feet. The base of the hoop is six feet, and then the top of the hoop is like eight or something like okay, that. Okay, and the other ones are different sizes? Yeah, they're a little bit smaller. than They go down in height. So on one side is the medium-sized hoop, and then on the other side is the small-sized hoop. Okay, and so three different lengths. Yep. Um, and so there's three different size targets that you can try to go for. Mm-hmm. The hoops are all the same size. It's just the height of the hoops that change. And each team has hoops, uh, hoops on their side. Yep. Similar to like when you're playing soccer where you have uh, goals on either side. It's the same thing except you have three hoops on either side. Okay. Okay. And uh, do the boundaries of the field mm -hmm. end at the hoops? No, they don't end at the hoops. Uh, that is just going to be depending on where you are on the field. Uh, several feet in front of the hoops and behind the hoops, there's a place called the keeper zone mm -hmm. um, because you actually do play behind the hoops. A lot of people think with soccer, you can't score into the net from behind. But however, with Quidditch, you can score from behind the hoops. Uh, so there's actually quite a few uh, feet behind the hoops that you're still playing. Okay, so it doesn't go really far back, but it is far back enough for you to run back there and still be able to score from there. Yeah. So someone has to watch all sides of their hoops. Yes. In order to try to keep someone from scoring. Keepers have a hard time because they are definitely the ones... You want a keeper to be pretty tall and have a really uh, wide arm length, um, like uh, arm span, so that when they are protecting hoops, they, are gonna, they don't have to run back and forth between the hoops because you leave an opening for the chasers to score. Okay, so I think now's a good time to go over those six people that are on the field most of the time per team. Yeah. Let's go over uh, what those positions are. So we, of course, have one keeper. Keeper is same thing as a goalkeeper in uh, soccer. They protect the hoops. Uh, they have an area that they have immunity from uh, what we call beaters. Uh, there are going to be two beaters per team. Uh, they have... Uh, uh, we'll get into the balls later, but... Uh, they can protect the hoops and other players. Um, they are, can be defensive or offensive. And they're the ones that can throw a ball at someone and make them out, right? Yes, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Well, it's okay. We'll, we'll go into more detail then. I just yeah. want to go over their functions just so it's clear. Yeah, so they throw a ball and it will hit someone and they technically, ha they're out. Okay, and it, so that's like their main function. Yes. Okay, and what's next? So next is going to be your three chasers. Uh, so those three chasers are the ones that are going to be scoring the points with the quaffle. 
so they're the ones that are going to be moving around, running around a lot, uh, and running in between the hoops trying to score. Okay, so yeah, those three, mm-hmm. their main job is to just keep trying to get points scored, and go, keep trying to put in the points up on the board before mm-hmm. you know the snitch comes out later. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm getting an idea here. Yeah. That covers uh, everybody on the field so far, right? Well, yeah, so far before you get into the seeker and the snitch. Well, let's. What what's the function of the seeker and the snitch? So the snitch is um, in the Harry Potter books and the movies is this flying beautiful golden ball with wings. Well, however, until we really perfect our drones, <laughs> we probably won't be able to have a flying ball around for our snitch. So instead, we've used a human. Uh, it's kind of like flag football. They have a tennis ball that is Velcroed into the back of their shorts um, that some the seeker is going to be trying to catch. Uh, so if the snitch says make, makes a wrong move, turns the wrong way, that seeker is going to be able to tear that tennis ball out, like the tennis ball sock off of the shorts and that is going to be a, what we call a clean catch okay so it's uh, it is a lot like flag football just using different materials mm-hmm. and there's a seeker for one for each team yes one okay. for each team there's going to be a seeker and the snitch is a neutral person so they are not going to be on either team okay so the snitch has to be obviously unaffiliated yes uh and then the seeker the seekers are going to try to catch the snitch mm-hmm. if they catch the snitch do they still get a big bulk of the points, kind of like in the movies and the books? No, it's not. So with uh, in the movies and the books, when you catch the snitch, the, it does end the game. Uh, but however, it doesn't. It's like 100 points or something like that in the movies. Something massive. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, however, in our games, it's only 30 points. Uh, okay, so they've changed it to make to to make it more competitive so that everyone's not just focusing on the snitch. Yeah, and there's a lot of strategy that goes into it because if you catch the snitch too early, it does in the game and you might lose because your team caught the snitch too early and you didn't have enough points. Gotcha. And so catching the snitch gives you 30 points. Mm-hmm. Whereas every time you get a ball through the hoop, it gives you how many? A quaffle through the hoop gives you 10 points. 10 points. Okay. So someone you know could you could make three scores Mm -hmm. and it's the same as catching the snitch yes okay which makes the game and the points a lot more manageable and i guess makes everything just as important instead of well i guess we'll try to make a few points but once someone catches the snitch it's over yeah exactly okay i feel like it maybe in the books that was made so that because harry potter was going to be a seeker just to put more importance on being a seeker since that was his main function well if you think about it the amount of work that goes into catching a snitch in the movies and the books is what honestly harder than what it is for us to be catching it Mm -hmm. i mean we our person is limited back in the day when they first started quidditch a snitch was not limited to being on the fields uh they had to change that rule because of course people were getting hurt there were snitches climbing buildings, which they shouldn't have been. Dear Lord. <laughs> um, so instead, we have uh, restricted them to being on the field only, whereas in the snitch, in the books and the movies, could be anywhere. Um, and the, you know, like when they talk about people disappearing in the movies, in the books, I mean, it's got to be true. I mean, like, they went off field to go find the snitch and never came back. Like, yeah, yeah. It, and I guess that's why for them, Maybe their games could last so long that people are putting up triple-digit numbers on the board. Yeah. So, okay, that's fair. Yeah. Makes a lot more sense for Muggle Quidditch, though. 30 points. 30 points. Um, We're not flying around. We're not running off fields, anything like that. 
Well, okay, now that we've narrowed that stuff down, uh, let's talk about the different balls that come into play when you're playing Quidditch. Yeah, so we've talked about a little bit about one of them. Uh, so the quaffle. A quaffle in the movies and then the uh, books is described as a brown ball uh it does it's pretty lightweight with a little bit of weight to it um it has like some concaves on the side it's pretty funny looking mm-hmm. uh, we don't have that we have a volleyball that's slightly deflated um and that's what we use as our quaffle and that's the one that you are taking to go score points with yes that is the one that you're going to be scoring points with how many of those do you put on the field only one okay so there's only one and everyone's trying to get it yep Okay, gotcha. Now, uh, on to the beaters one. What what do they use? So, beaters in the movies and in the books, uh, you have heard of these uh, giant metal balls that fly around. And beaters are carrying, the reason why they're called beaters, they're carrying around baseball bats. Well, of course, we're not going to do that with our players on the field. uh, So, we adapted it a little bit differently. Um, The bludgers are what, uh, like, hit you on the side. So, the balls are a bludger? Yeah, the okay. ball is called a bludger, uh, so beaters carry bludgers. Uh, and in the movies, if you got hit with a bludger, it was going to knock you off your broom, right? Right. Uh, because it's a giant metal flying ball that's just going to you know, knock the air out of you and knock you off your broom. And, of course, maybe risk your life because you might die. Right. Because you're falling from quite a height off of a broom. We don't have that. It does hurt about as much, though. It's a dodgeball. <laughs> okay, so you're, uh, the beaters are... They're not using bats, so they're throwing dodgeballs mm-hmm. at people. They and throw dodgeballs. And if the dodgeball hits you... You're knocked off broom. You're knocked off means, broom. Which uh, means you take your broom out from in between your legs, and you have to run back to your hoops, which simulates you getting knocked off your broom, landing on the ground, and either being able to get back up and get back on your broom, or it gives you like a handicap similar to not being able to touch the ball with your hands in soccer. Okay, so if you get hit by a bludger... Yeah. Then you basically have to go back to the uh, to the bounds. No, to your hoops. You have to, to your okay to your, to hoops. your hoops. So yeah. not even all the way back. No, you just, just to have hoops. to touch your hoops. Okay, so you have to run back to your hoops, and that's kind of a way to reset you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, you've reset, you can come back on. But it can yeah. take someone out of play for a good minute. A good minute, depending on how far away they were when they got hit. I guess yeah. right. So if you're on the other team's side and you get hit with a bludger and you have to run back to your hoops, it might take you a second to get back over there. At that point, uh, strategy-wise, you don't run back across the field. You're going to be staying on your side of the hoops to protect your side. Right. And so that's a very good defensive play for bludgers because they're limiting the amount of people that they have to keep an eye on who are trying to score. Yeah. And there's three bludgers in total on the field. So um, if what we call is bludger control, one team is going to have two bludgers, whereas the other team is only going to have one. Okay, so you have two beaters on each team. Yes. Right? No. Yes, you have two beaters on each team. So that's But there's only three people. bludgers, yes. so those four beaters have to try to maintain control over the, uh, the three bludgers. bludgers that you have. Yes. So when, when a team has what you call bludger control, yeah. and they have two bludgers... The other team is handicapped, and they're yes. like, we're coming for you. Yeah, essentially what you're wanting to do is you're if it's before the snitch is released, you're going to be trying to fight the other be- beater to get the other bludger. Um, or you might be protecting um, another team member that 
like a chaser that has the quaffle, you might be in front of it to try and either catch the blood that's being thrown at you mm-hmm. or uh, to, you know, like maybe hit the chaser so that they have to drop the quaffle or something along those lines. Yeah, whatever strategy you implore. Yeah. Uh, um, I have a couple questions about the bludgers and yeah. the beaters. Um, if a beater throws a bludger at you yeah. and you catch it, are you still out? It depends. Are you a chaser or are you a beater? Oh, well, you tell me. If you're, what happens if you're a chaser? If you're a chaser and you get hit with a ball, you're automatically off broom so and even you if you go catch back it. to hoops. Yeah, you can't ch- uh, catch it. Okay. Similar to like with uh, soccer, if you touch the ball with your hands, you're going to get reprimanded. So what about uh, if you are another beater? If, if, you, if you're another beater and you catch the bludger, it is just like dodgeball rules where you're not out, essentially. What about the person who threw it? Anything happened to them? Or they no, just nothing they... happens. Okay, okay. Yeah. So... You can only save yourself from a bludger if you're another beater. Yeah, only only if you're a beater. And if you smack it away, uh, depend, this might come into contingency later when we're talking, but if you smack it away with your hand, obviously, so like if someone's throwing a bludger at you and you just like smack it out of your way instead of letting it hit you, uh, the referees will get onto you and you might get carded. Oh, okay, because you are now manipulating the path of the ball. Yeah, and, it, you know, it could... You could be the... smacking it away, like, way out of bounds, yeah. and they have to run after it. It's just like you can't kick it. If you're not... If you are not in play with a... a as a beater, you're not going to be able to touch I the could blunder. see how that could be seen as dirty, for yeah. sure. it's pretty... Like, you're it's... definitely manipulating the way the game's played by doing that. Yeah, that's not a fun way to play. Nobody wants to see that, so... So... One last thing about uh, the beaters and bludgers. Yeah. If, can you deflect a bludger with a bludger you're holding? You can deflect the bludger away with what you're holding. You can also deflect it away with the quaffle. So if you're a chaser with a quaffle and they hit you with, like if a bludger is thrown at you, mm-hmm. you can knock it away with a quaffle. Oh, so you can use, so that's how the only way that chasers can defend themselves. Yes, that's the they... only way that you can defend yourself is by knocking it out of the way with the quaffle or uh, by doing some really cool Matrix-esque looking things where you jump into the air and try <laughs> to miss. <laughs> We've seen some pretty good ones. And, and, and other beaters are allowed to knock a a bludger that someone's been thrown that someone's thrown at them away with their own as well Is yes that... but uh strategy wise you might not want to do that you might want to keep it you might want to catch it okay okay i'm getting to understand that here yeah um if someone throws a bludger yeah and it doesn't hit you but it hits your broom you're out. You're out? If it touches your feet, if it touches your hand, if it touches your broom, if it touches your clothing, you're out, buddy. Okay. Any, any part hair, of you. Your hair, if it touches your hair. Any part of you. If it touches any part of you, you're, you're you're off broom and you need to go back. Okay. And we've already talked about the snitch, so that's all of the balls. I think now's a good time, especially since we've mentioned it a few times. Yeah. What about the brooms? Okay. So, uh, equipment-wise, if you're walking onto a Quidditch field, what you're going to be seeing is a whole lot of PVC pipe. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, you're going to be looking at, I think they're half inch or, uh, that can be anywhere from like a half inch to a, like a quarter inch to a half inch, uh, size, a PVC pipe, uh, that is used for a broom. They're about, uh, 39 inches to 41 inches long, uh, depending on someone's preference. They get to choose. Oh, okay. Depending on maybe like 
how tall you are or how long your arms are yeah. or whatever. Just might, whatever's more comfortable. Yeah, you might want, if you're really, if you're like, you know, six foot five, you probably want a longer broom. It's going to feel weird, weird just holding like this tiny little broom between your legs. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're like five foot, you might want a 39 inch broom. It's going to be a little bit shorter, easier manage. You're not going to have like this giant long pole in between your legs when you're turning around. So now you have to keep a hold on this thing the whole time you're on the field? Yeah. If you drop it, you're off broom. Really? Yeah. Okay, so you you need to in order to keep playing. Yeah, so um, most everyone is playing one-handed. Okay, is there are there any of the? I mean, I assume the snitch doesn't have a broom. No, because that doesn't make does, sense. The snitch doesn't have a broom. They get to have both of their hands. They run across the field. Uh, there's no broom between their legs. All now, other players have to have a broom. So, but every other player has a broom. Yes. Do the refs have to wear brooms? <laughs> don't the refs don't have to ride brooms? Okay. They're normally off broom. Okay, gotcha. And then whenever someone, you know, is out and they get hit by a bludge or whatever, it, it's counted as off broom. Yes. Whenever they have to run back to the hoops, do they have to still do that on broom, even though they're technically off broom? No, you need to, if you ha- you're you still on broom and you're running back to your hoops, you will get yelled at. You need to be off broom. So on broom is when you have your broom between your legs. Um, it can be in between your legs in any, like, area. So, like, all the way up tucked into your crotch to, you know, like sticking between your ankles, you're still on broom. Uh, so when you get hit by a bludger, you need to be off broom completely, which means you need to take your broom out from between your legs and hold it out and run to your hoops. Okay, and that signifies to the other players, whether they saw it happen or not, that you are indeed off broom and you're going back to reset. Yeah, and you might want to, depending on where you're at or uh, how the tight of a game you're at you might want to yell out off room because that way just strategically for your own team okay that way you're communicating with your team okay um what about the refs you there are refs for this to keep things fair yeah there's several different refs so the main ref is going to be the head ref uh like madam hooch they're the big cheese yeah they're the big cheese they're the ones making the big calls they're the ones that actually get to signify if you're getting a card or not um they're the ones that are going to be deliberating on whether or not uh you know is they're going to be talking with the snitch ref and being like hey was that a clean catch and they're going to be the ones that are announcing whether or not the game is won so most of the big important decisions are they on the field yes they're going to be on the field and running in gameplay so they're going to be moving on the field in the game Stuff like that. So they're running back and forth with the crowd. Yep. Gotcha. What? Who else do we have? So um, the next person is going to be uh, the LAR, which is the uh, lead assistant ref. Mm-hmm. Uh, that person is the step below the head ref. Uh, they are... Uh, either going to be separate from the snitch ref or depending on how much, uh, how many staffing you have at your tournament, they might be the snitch ref. But they are going to be the ones that are uh, kind of also just keeping track of everything that's going on the field. And if something happens that the head ref didn't catch, they're going to not- let the head ref know. Okay, so they are they performing essentially the same um, functions as the head ref they're just assisting yeah they're just assisting okay it's just to get more eyes on the field but then they tell something the head ref ultimately it's up to the head ref to decide yeah and the-, the head ref is always gonna turn to the lar so we call them hr and lar uh, it makes it a little bit easier to say when you're on the field mm-hmm. so lar did you see this and if lar says no i didn't see this please refer to ars so that would be just the regular assistant refs which you can have anywhere from uh, normally, you're going to have about four on the field. How many How many um, LARs 
One. Okay, so one head ref. Yeah. One LAR. Yeah. Lead assistant ref. Lead assistant ref. So that's their main assistant. Yeah. And then the rest of them are almost like the peon refs. Yeah. They're They're like the minion refs. They are the minion refs. What uh, ARs or assistant refs are, are usually, they're being used to call beats. Uh, So you're going to have two on the sidelines that are calling beats and two at goals to be able to call whether or not a goal is good or not. So you have the... And you can always have more than just two on the sidelines, but normally if, like, staffing-wise, you have, like, three to two for the assent refs on the sidelines and then one at at each goal. So you have, you know, the sideline ones, they're they're watching the boundaries... They're watching boundaries. They're checking to make sure that, you know, nobody is being overly aggressive for any reason, that people are actually going off room. So they're watching more of the small details. Yeah, small details. And then you have the other ones that are on each um, goal. Yep. And they're, like, checking to see if people made goals or not, mostly. Yeah, because sometimes it can be, if your goal ref, or not, uh, if your head ref, you might be watching another part of play really fast because check to make sure that, you know, maybe that looked like, uh, net contact really fast. Yeah, your your so eyes could be elsewhere. Your eyes could be elsewhere, and it, it can be kind of iffy when you're an AR and you're on the side of the field, and you're like, nah, I swear that went in, and goal ref says no goal. That means goal refs did not see it go through the the hoops. Right, because it makes sense that the, you know, the hoops they're circles. Yeah. And, uh, looking from the side. Yeah. All you can see is like a line. Yeah. So you can't tell if it did it go through or did, did it go, go beside through. it? Or it or might have smacked into it and you thought it went in, but really gotcha. it just So that's why you it. need people on either side who are watching those hoops themselves mm-hmm. to see if uh, the ball went through. Yes. I can see, yeah, that's, that seems like it would be very helpful. Now, yeah. And then all the refs just talk to each other or do the ARs have to talk to the LAR who then talks to the head ref? Yeah, nobody talks to the head ref unless you're asked a question specifically. Normally you're just standing there and you're like, beat, uh, or, you know, like... You're off broom, and normally you go by, if people have their names on the back of their jerseys, you can mm-hmm. call out by name, but normally you, you go by color of their shirt, their team shirt, so like if you have team blue and team gray, so you're going to be like, beat gray. Okay. Beat okay. blue. Now, um, when it, I think we've covered pretty much how everything works on the field and mm-hmm. all the positions. There's one I want to go a little bit more into because we only touched on. Okay. What are the, we know what the function of the snitch is. Yes. What are the rules of a snitch? What are they allowed to do and not do? So they're allowed to do pretty much anything within means to stop from getting the snitch cat. So say you're going, uh, and snitches can be of varying sizes. They're not always like, people like to think of a snitch being a small human that is really flighty and fast and is going to be running everywhere, Uh which is a common way that people choose snitches, but there's also some bigger, bulkier people that are on the field that are going to be, you know, just a wall of human in front of you that's going to be hard to get around to get that snitch. And they're really good snitches just because of, you know, their ability to just stonewall people, just yeah. keep them away. I mean, if you think about it, if someone's super tall and wide and they stick their arm out and just like hold your shoulder you're not going to be able to duck down to get around their hip to be Well, able now that's to interesting. That. So a snitch is allowed to touch you as yeah. a seeker? Yes. Oh, okay. Can you as a seeker touch the snitch in any way other than grabbing the uh, ball? You can, like, deflect hands, like, try to get their hands off of you and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, but you can't, like, overtly you can't, like, grab them or anything? Them. Okay. No. Uh, so, like, a snitch can grab your shoulders, put their 
if you've ever seen like a basic self-defense thing where you grab their shoulders and you put your foot behind their foot uh-huh. and you pull forward and they fall. Snitch can do that. So snitch you can can't tri- do that to a snitch, though. So a snitch can trip you if they want. Oh, yeah. Snitches could grab your brooms and completely pull them out from in between you. I oh, they forget- can force you off broom. Yes, they can force you off broom. I think we forgot to say that this sport is full contact, <laughs> by the way. A lot of people don't realize that this is full contact. So um, when there's two seekers in front of you, a snitch can use one of the seekers. So the back of the sneaker, seeker, uh-huh. uh can use the back of the seeker to and hold their broom like a rudder and move them around to protect themselves from the other team's seeker. So, like, the snitch is using <laughs> one team seeker to protect them from the other seeker. And they can just grab the broom, pull it out from under you, yep. and be like, ha-ha, now you're off broom, you have to go back. Yep. Wow. Okay, so they can do that. Makes it even harder. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, they can do whatever they want to. All you can do is try to, you know, get away from whatever they're doing to you and try to get that ball, and that's I, it. I've a hundred percent been in the middle of a game and looked over and saw a snitch pick a seeker up by its arms and put it back down on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of freedom when it comes to how you want to be a snitch. Yes. And that makes sense now that you wouldn't have to rely on just one type of of player. No, and of course you're going to be keeping in mind that um, it's always going to need to be a clean catch. So if one seeker is uh, off broom and away, uh, the snitch or that seeker can go in as hardcore as they want to catch the snitch. But if the snitch is like on the ground, so got knocked over and is on the ground, you can't catch it. Oh, they okay. need to be up. They need to be mobile, that kind of thing. Okay, and that's what a clean catch is. Yeah. Now, after a good period of time, because, you know, some people can keep up running and keep up defending themselves for quite a while. So we need to start putting in some handicaps <laughs> because depending on how long that game's been already, we might be looking at 20 minutes of gameplay of hard cardio and getting real tired out yeah. there. Yeah, snitch not even released until 12 minutes in. Well, eight, I think it's 18 minutes. 18 minutes, yeah. but you can amend the rules depending on how many players and everything you have. Well, if, it depends on... If it's what, not like a league game or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the summer tournaments and it being super hot outside, they may, they might shorten the secret floor. Okay, but there, it, it, the point is that the seeker and the snitch, they don't come out until... A decent amount of gameplay has gone by. Right. A lot of people are tired by then. Yes. And then they come out. Yep. Because once it's caught, the game's over. Yeah. So what are some of the handicaps that they implore? And I know this might be different region to region, country or whatever. Uh, most everyone uses the uh, United States Quidditch rule book. We are on number 13 right now. Um, and so it's going to be mostly uh, you get stuck to the sideline. Or not the sideline, the midfield line. Okay, so after a certain amount of time, then they go, hey, one of the handicaps is in play, and then the uh, the snitch is, yeah. is stuck to where now? To the midline. To the midline, the yeah. middle of the field. The middle of the field. And they can just go, like, they can only follow that Yeah, that they can line. only be on that line, so running back and running forth. Running back and forth, yeah. okay. Is there another handicap after that? Yeah, they can't use one of their arms. 
Wow. Okay. So then it takes uh, after a few more minutes. Yeah. One of their arms they're not allowed to use. Yeah. And then is that the final one? No, then they lose another arm. So then they lose both their arms and they're just running back and forth on a line, making it very plausible that the game's going to be over. I've never seen it go to the, to be honest, I've never seen a snitch go past the second handicap. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then after, so that's the final handicap. Yeah. Okay. And by then someone's going to catch the snitch. Yeah. Someone's going to catch it. And it's going to end the game. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wow. There's a lot there with the snitch. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, the snitch has a lot. To be honest, once the snitch is out on the floor, it is like a completely, it's a game within a game. Um, it's it's just like, you have a hard time figuring out what you're going to be watching if you're on the sidelines. Because you're like, do I watch the chasers who are running their butts off from side of the field? To Trying to score of, points yeah, to or score am I watching points, the snitch? Or am I watching the snitch, which is a completely different game that's going on over here. Because once the snitch is released, the LAR is going to move over to the snitch ref. And so they're going to have a ref that's going to be following that snitch game the whole time. Now, you said, circling back, you said that Quidditch is a full contact sport. Yes. What do you mean by that? So tackling is involved. So you're allowed to tackle. Oh, yeah. You're, are you allowed to, is there anyone that's off limits to tackle besides, I'm assuming, the snitch? Yeah, don't tackle the head ref. <laughs> well, okay, but in, any players you're allowed to tackle. Yeah, everyone you're allowed to tackle. Now, if the chaser does not have a ball, you can't tackle them. So, like, you can't be, ta- like, running up and you full just... force tackling another chaser if they don't have the ball in their hands. Can you tackle beaters if they don't have a ball in their hands? No, it's the same thing. Like, okay. if, if they don't have a ball in their hands, you can't run up and tackle them. That's just ob- obviously malicious. There's no point in Okay, that. okay. So, you, if you're going to tackle someone... Yeah. There needs to be a clear reason. Yeah. Like, hey, they have the quaffle and I'm trying to get it away yeah. from them. So that's going to be like a full tackle, like full on tackle running up to them and wrapping your arm around them. Okay. Now we do not do two arm wraps. So in football, you see two arm wraps and in rugby. Well, I think. assumed you wouldn't be able to because you got to hold that broom. <laughs> you got to hold your broom. <laughs> yeah. So you can wrap them up with one arm one and arm. bring them to the ground. Yes. Uh, if someone's on the ground. Yeah. But their broom is still between their legs. They're fine. They're they're not off. No, they're room? not off broom until it's. Uh, so someone could tackle them down, and if they don't get the ball from them, all they've done is slow them down for a second. Yes. Okay. But you're also allowing your other players to come up and try to grab the ball too. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. More okay. often than not, when you're doing a full head-on tackle, it's because you're trying to get that ball to be dropped in some way, form or fashion. You're not the one trying to claim the ball. It's someone else. That's someone else. Helping. Okay. Um, and then, then of course, you know, you have to think about uh, if you are going head to head with another chaser, you can do. If you've ever watched basketball, you know that they protect each other. Uh, or they guard each other so if you can guard so you can put your hand up against their chest you Mm -hmm. can um pull uh, at their like arm like you move their arms around if they're out in front of like you know their arms are on your shoulders or you know like holding you back with one arm yeah you can smack at that arm you can do defensive things if someone's trying to tackle you you can't make neck contact or face contact or head contact you can't make contact with anything that is below the belt um you can't obviously pull at their jersey you know it's it's similar to when so you got to try to wrap up their midsection yeah you want to wrap up their midsection question are Belly you a- <laughs> <laughs> are you allowed to uh do shove tackling um, let's say someone runs up and they just like bring their arm down and they like hit hit your shoulder or hit you in the midsection to knock you down 
Is that considered a tackle? Because your they also... belly buttons need to be able to see each other. Okay, is so... that the best way to, that I can explain yes. that? So, like, you can't tackle from the back if someone can't back tackle is... someone from behind. Yeah, you okay. can't tackle someone from behind. So if they're behind you, you can't tackle them. If they if they're beside you and your belly button can't see their belly button, so they're just past you or they're you know no like side tackling. Turned, you you can't do side tackling that kind okay. of thing. You're the the best way we can describe it as far as like when you can tackle when a tackle is going to be clean is if your belly button can see each other. Okay, so you got to be in front of them. They got to be able to see you. You can see them. Yeah. And you both have to be facing each other to some extent. You can be a little diagonal, but you can't yeah. be beside. It's yeah. no side tackling. No side tackling. And of course, you it's common courtesy. You're going to want to move your broom out of the way when you tackle. Yeah, that's just <laughs> not being a dick, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I get it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, I think we've gone over how the game's played, what the rules are, who the players are, yeah. the balls and everything, even the uh the field that you play on. Yeah. Let's talk about uh maybe some of the history of it. What do you what do you know about the way that Muggle Quidditch came in? So, uh, Muggle Quidditch started actually as an intramural sport uh at Middlebury College in Vermont. Uh Xander uh, Manchel was a wee freshman back then and he had the idea to create Muggle Quidditch as an intramural sport. Um, and so that was when the first time they had it being played was they had like 30 kids play like college kids show up to play intramural Quidditch. Okay. So what was his name? Uh, it's, I don't want to say it wrong. It's Xander Manchel. I mean, that's fine. Okay. Names are, can be so different and varied that all you can do sometimes is take your best guess if you haven't heard it out loud. So Xander Yes. Is the founder. Uh, yes, he's one of the first people that started playing Quidditch. Okay, and they started it... In 2005. 2005 at a college. Yeah, Middlebury College. Middle, where is that? It's I don't in know Vermont. Where, it's in Vermont? Yes. Okay, so way up in the uh, northern United States. Yes, northeast is where uh, Muggle Quidditch was born. Gotcha, and they uh, started doing it like every year or is it a year-round thing no it's so it's played similar to because it was started as a college sport it's played with college seasons Mm -hmm. so with the fall semester and spring semester is when uh college quidditch is played okay so they would play twice a year yes so it would be counted as the school year is the full the full season for quidditch yeah yeah okay that makes sense yeah um now, obviously, it grew from there. Oh, yeah. Since now it's a whole sport. It took off. Um, did Whenever it first started spreading, was it still mostly spreading in the United States? Yeah, it was spreading mostly in the United States and in the Northeast. Um, so, it started spreading to, like, Rhode Island, Man- oh, man, Massachusetts, uh New York, you know, yeah. that that area yeah. was all where it they started. Makes playing. sense that it would, you know, from its the area that it started, those were the first, you know, other yeah. states to start uh, taking it up. Yeah, and then you know, of course, we started getting into some other countries started playing when Canada picked it up. Okay, so then Canada, and then a bunch of other countries picked it up. Yeah, so Canada would picked it up in two thousand nine. So we've gone two years now that Quidditch is being played as a sport in the United States. And there were two colleges in Canada that were like, heck yeah, I want to try that. And so they they started joining in on our games that we had. Okay. Um, 
Now, I, I heard you reference USQ earlier, which I'm assuming is United States Quidditch? Yes, United States Quidditch Association. Okay, so that is the... That is for the United States. That yes. is their entire, that's their whole league. Yeah. So it would be nationally. Yeah. Okay. And then there's other regions that are a part of that. Yes, there are other regions. So there's the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, South, Midwest, Southwest, West, Northwest, and Great Lakes. Okay. And uh, now that there are other teams playing, mm-hmm. there's also an international yeah, association? so we, we have the International Quidditch Association, also known as IQA. Okay, and from my understanding, because I did do a little bit of looking up before this, yeah, they have, like, a World Cup. Yeah, so they have their championship, which is, uh, I mean, it's pretty big. We have 40 countries in all now worldwide uh, that are starting, uh, and that's, of course, with IQA building their database, they are gaining more teams throughout the time. I think when I checked last year, it was counting wise 450 teams worldwide. And when I checked earlier today, it was 600. Okay. Uh, so. And this includes college teams, community teams, and high school teams, and like yeah, younger. Yeah, all the teams. Yeah. Okay, so now. Um, just from my knowledge of other sports, I'm going to guess that you have the regions Yeah. that the, uh, you know, they have their own tournaments mm-hmm. and whoever's on top in that region is that, do those teams then play each other to decide who's going to be the, you know, like the United States so team to go to the international Not everyone tournament? has, uh, similar setups for, uh, their their regions um it's it's not the same um so we have usq which is usq championship or usq cup and it's like the united states tournament yeah, like the big united, united states, states, tournament. states tournament is that every year uh that is every year okay um there's the <clears throat> asian quidditch cup which is their regional tournaments um which is um off held every off year of the european games um and the world cup like the world cup um, so those are going to be the Sounds like year. those are every other year yeah, on the off years. Yeah, off years. And then the European Games, um, which is also off year alongside the World Cup. So, okay, so those are just like, hey, this, the, this is the winner of the United States tournament, winner of the European tournament, yeah. and winner of the, the Asian, Asian tournament. tournament. Yeah. Um, but they don't decide which team gets to play. No. So how do they decide, like, who the team for, say, the United States? It's just like the Olympics. They all have to try out. Yeah, they have to do tryouts. Now, with a lot of teams, they will have... So when we held the World Cup, World Cup here uh, most recently, they had... Uh, the Japanese team came to the United States, and they would try to fly over as many players as they could, but there were some players that were not able to fly over. And so if they were not playing for the United States team and they were Japanese-born, uh, or their parents were born in Japan, you could play on the Japanese team. Huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, one of my friends was seriously considering <clears throat> it because they would have been able... Their, their dad was born in Japan. And so... They could have played on the Japanese team during the World Cup. Okay. So it's tryouts for each country. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> and then that, uh, after they, you know, get those teams together, then those teams go head-to-head 
in the international tournament. Yes, which is every two years they try to make it kind of like a joke to the Olympics because they were like, we're going to be just as good as the Olympics. <laughs> we're going to be the Quidditch Olympics. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be the Quidditch Olympics. So they held it every two years um, and in the summer, so similar to the summer games. So this is where I actually did a, a little bit of research here just because I was curious. Yeah. Right? Uh, how many years of that did someone not from the United States win? I'm just curious there. We'll get to that. <laughs> so I have, uh, you know, because it's every two years. Yep. And I have the data from 2012, 2014, 2016, and 2018. Yep. So in 2012, the host city was Oxford. Yes. In uh, United Kingdom. Yes. Uh United States won. Of course. Uh, the runner-up was France. Yes, the runner-up was France. Uh, in 2014, the host city was uh, Burnaby in Canada. Yes. Uh, United States won. Mm-hmm. The runner-up was Australia. Yeah, the runner-up was going to be Australia. Uh, in 2016, the host city was Frankfurt, mm-hmm. Germany. Yep. And the winner was Australia. Yeah, those, uh, Australia actually pulled through. They, I think they were so mad about losing the two years before yeah, that before. they were like, we're going to kick U.S. Quidditch's butts. And so they pulled together for their team. Uh, United States was the runner-up then. Yes, year. they were second place. 2018, Florence in Italy. That was the host city. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch that. There's, I mean, it seems that they do a good job of spreading out the host cities. It was kind of wild watching it because it looked like it was just in a, like a town square. <laughs> <laughs> like the way that they had all the fields set up. It was just in between like a bunch of buildings and there were metal bleachers outside. Huh. <laughs> uh, United States won again. Yes, they did. Uh, this time the runner-up was Belgium. Mm-hmm. We're actually pretty proud of them for that one. I really liked that game. It was really good. So, 2020... <laughs> 2020 it's supposed to the host city is supposed to be finally in the United States it's going to it's supposed to be in Richmond. It is it's supposed to be in Richmond, Virginia. That might not happen now. No, it might not happen. But that's okay. We've got other stuff to talk about. That's true. But so you know, those are the host cities, those are the champions. Yeah, for the International Quidditch. Now, uh International Quidditch uh Championship aka the World Cup uh, to be honest is not nearly as big as United States Cup. Just because the United States Cup, I mean, it's the biggest here right now than it is internationally. Yeah, with uh, as many as uh, 83 teams competing. That's a big tournament. Yeah, that's pretty big. So that's like almost its own international tournament with the amount of teams competing. The international tournament has about that or less each year. Yeah, so the um, the biggest uh, game that they had had was in 2011. And of course, this was before international Quidditch split off from um the world cup that was being held in the united states um so there were still international teams that were attending for our cups Uh um and the largest amount that they had was 93 teams wow yeah um let me go over some of the stuff that i have here from the teams yeah that played uh so i'm looking here and 2012 when they did the first one yeah there's like there was uh, only like five teams or something like that's that. that's exactly playing. it there were five teams yeah. and you can see it grow each year yeah it gets bigger and bigger every year that's uh, the point of international quidditch association so is, to grow is to grow so you had five teams playing um in 2012 mm-hmm. 2014 you had seven teams yep 
2016, 21 teams. Yep, that's it, some growth. It obviously took off pretty big between the 20, uh, 2014 to 2016 Yes, years. and then in 2018, you had 29 teams. Yep. So the most so far. So we'd assume that it's going to grow even more if it's going to keep following this pattern. Yeah, I mean, I, I told you, like, last year when I looked at it, there were only 400 teams regist- 450 teams registered, and then just today I looked, and it's 600. 600. Yeah. So from 400 to 600. 450 to 450 600. 450 to 600. Yeah. Uh, here are the teams that have competed so far. Uh, by teams, I don't mean all in video. I mean countries. Countries. Here the, the countries, countries that have participated. We'll see if any of them surprise you, and they're alph- alphabetically. Australia and Austria. Yeah. Belgium. Yeah. And Brazil. Uh-huh. Canada, uh, Canada and Catalonia. Yeah, Catalonia. Little old Catalonia. Yeah. Uh, they were pretty proud about starting a team in that area. They've played in two of them. Yeah. So they started in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Czech Republic. Finland. Mm-hmm. France. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany. Hong Kong. Yep. Iceland. Ireland, Italy, Malaysia, mm-hmm. uh, Mexico, which has actually been in three of the f- three of the four tournaments. Yeah, those teams are pretty big. Uh, same with Belgium. Belgium is in three of the four tournaments, so they've been at it for a while too. Uh, the Netherlands, New Zealand, yeah, Norway, Poland, Slovakia, Slovenia, South Korea. Spain, Switzerland, Turkey, United Kingdom, United States, and Vietnam. Yep. So some of those that they didn't actually, uh, who have teams but haven't been playing in some of the uh, World Cups, uh, which I don't think you you mentioned. I don't think you mentioned Spain. I did. You did mention Spain. Um, And then the Netherlands... I mentioned them as well. Okay. Uh, you did not mention Uganda, which is actually one of the newer I did, teams. I know. I did not mention yeah. Uganda. Uganda is one of the newer teams. They're super excited and pumped. And then we also have Argentina. Okay. Yeah. I didn't mention Argentina yeah, either Yeah. Argentina yet. also has some teams. Um, and I don't know if you mentioned Japan. I didn't. No. All the ones that I've mentioned are ones that have played already yeah. in one of the um, international tournaments past. Yeah. So these that you're talking about, these newer ones... This is going to be their first time. This is probably going to be some of the... If they are able to attend. Now, financially, some uh, teams or countries have not been able to put in teams yet, but they do have teams for their region. That want to play. Yeah, that want to play. Okay. So, International Quidditch Association is trying to do everything they can to help with funding, creating teams, and getting teams to um, the national... Like, the world internationals or whatever okay i think that's pretty cool i just wanted to go over a little bit of the international community there i would like to give a shout out to japan's uh team because their big team that they have uh, has godzilla on the front of their jersey oh really and if they want to send me a jersey please please just contact Weister. i would join the i would join that team just for the godzilla (laughs) i want a godzilla jersey so bad Well, I've I've gone over all the things that I really was looking forward to go over. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about as far as Quidditch that we haven't really talked about? Yeah, so um, I think uh, one of the things that I didn't touch on is that there are 45 participating states in the United States. Um, where do you think the biggest teams, like number one teams are coming from in the United States? Well, since it started in the Northeast, I would just assume that it would come from like Vermont, New York, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me a state, and we're going to see. 
Okay, I'll say New York. No, it's Texas. Texas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bigger and the better. Um, it's actually uh, like Texas A&M and stuff like that. They have some of the best teams in our region slash the world. So a lot of the team players that play on the United States team are from Texas in the Midwest region. Huh. Okay, yeah. No, I would not expect that. I wouldn't expect Texas to, you know, of all places, to take hold of this and really take off. Exactly. But, I mean, if you think about it, you would think that the, the teams from the Northeast would be hardier because they have to play in the snow. But uh, Texas's teams don't have any weather co- cancellations-wise besides rain to be able to play. They don't have snow, so. So they just keep play all the time. They get to play, yeah. Unless it, in the summer, of course, we don't play because it's too hot outside. So thankfully, uh, they won't be scorching themselves out there. Yeah. Uh, but there is a new summer league that is coming in. Um, so in 2014, uh, Ethan Sturm and Amanda Dallas created a major league major league Quidditch, which is semi pro teams. Um, when it started in 2014, there were only eight teams, um, and today there are 15 teams, uh, 13 in the United States and two in Canada. Uh, they have a championship every year, uh, which is the top 12, re- 12 teams of the region, uh, and they f- compete for the Benete Cup. <laughs> the Benete Cup? The Benete Cup. And so that's... Uh, I think that is the next step in Quidditch, making it into more of a... A bigger recognized sport um, is Major League Quidditch. Uh, Major League Quidditch is actually where they're doing a lot more of rules testing for stepping up our game. So mm-hmm. uh, remember how I said earlier that you can bat the uh, bludger away when it hit you? Yeah. In Major League Quidditch, you can. Uh, in Major League Quidditch, they're actually testing doing two-arm two wraps for tackling. Okay. They're trying to see what works and what doesn't work because the sport is young and it's still evolving. Yes. And they're also trying to look at safety-wise, making sure that maybe they want to keep Major League Quidditch rules separate from USQ rules. And, you know, that's that's good to get ahead of that because historically a lot of uh, a lot of sports, instead of getting ahead of their safety precautions, they've waited until a lot of people have gotten hurt and go, hey, maybe we should change that thing. So about that... Um... <laughs> When playing Quidditch, the number one uh, injury is going to be an ACL tear or a concussion. Concussions being number one. Well, <laughs> I guess some uh, helmets and pads might be in the future, huh? Uh, probably not. I mean, rugby doesn't have any helmets or pads. They also still get concussions, but they work more on their tackling to make it safer. And so that's something that could we're be another way to do it. Yeah, a, you know, as our sport is one arm tackling safer, is two arm tackling. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I think we've come to a conclusion. We have. I would like to say that if you listen to this podcast and you are interested in playing Quidditch, uh, all you have to do is go online uh, to United States Quidditch if you're in that region. If you're not in International Quidditch, you got you can reach out to them for emailing and ask them where to where a team might be that you could join. Um, if there isn't one, ask them how to start one, and they will give you the uh, resources and the information on how to be able to start one. And if you have any questions for Maggie, yeah, you can funnel them through me, and I'll give them to her. At uh, I don't know how to live podcast at gmail dot com, or if you want to, you can throw a message at our Instagram. Yeah, it's I don't know how to live podcast. That's it. Yeah, that's how you reach us. Pretty yeah. easy. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I like to make it straightforward. Oh, okay, that's good. Uh, and then if you you know if you like what you're hearing. 
You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and, uh, you know, give us a rating. Even if it's a bad one. I don't even Just give us Ooh, something. Can we do a reading later of a bad bad ratings for... A, if we get a bunch of them, of them, yeah, then I will do a okay. reading of them. We could do them in uh We could do that in a, a mini-sode for that. <gasps> mini-sode, yes. That may be way in the future, yeah. Can we do it with, like, impressions? Sure. Okay, no so rules. if you're if you're leaving a bad review, you should make sure that you should put, hey, can you do this in the impression of Nicolas Cage when you read it? Yeah, or, or like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, pick yeah. something. You know, don't go too, like, really specific. Like, you know, we're not freaking uh, professional actors here. So no. if you pick someone out of left field that people don't already do a bunch of impressions <laughs> on, it might not happen. But, you know. <laughs> but come on, make it interesting with pick your... Pick something uh, reasonable yeah. and uh, it could be done. Give, give a challenge to Mr. Tweester over here. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been Tweester. And Maggie. And we will catch you guys next time.